Hello and welcome to another edition of the Godfrey's Law Real Business Solutions Podcast. I'm your host Brad McDonald and today I am pleased to be joined by one of my team members, Senior Solicitor Sally Kinneen. Welcome Sally. Thank you. <laughs> Great to have you on the podcast. We've had you on the podcast once before about a year ago. Um, and today Sally we're going to be talking uh, about the really exciting topic of all things debt recovery. Yes. <laughs> now, I think it's important um, for our listeners out there today that I first um, uh, give a uh, lawyer's disclaimer that the um, information that Sally's going to talk to me about today is just for information purposes only. Uh, it should not be taken as legal advice and cannot uh, replace considered legal advice. Um, and of course, Sally will be more than happy to talk to anyone about uh, these matters should you have any needs. So look, um, enough from me, Sally. Uh, great to have you on board. And um, so 2023, talk of recession, election, cost of living crisis, mortgage rates going through the roof, things are tough out there, aren't they? Yes, definitely. So in saying that, I guess it's expected that businesses are likely to experience a decrease in cash flow and a key tool in, in maintaining a steady cash flow is having a good debt collection process. Uh-huh. Okay. So for businesses out there, um, you know, who want to uh, maintain their cash flow and keep an eye on it, which is, you know, as you've just identified, really critical at these times when things are tough. Where where does someone start with all of this, Sally? You know, what, what's the starting? Is there a starting point? Yes. So, to some people's surprise, this starts with airtight terms of trade. Um, what your business will require will be dependent on what the business does. For example, mm-hmm. um, construction companies may want to issue payment claims under the Con- Construction Contracts Act, yep. um, but there's certain criteria that they need to um, meet to be able to claim for that and for that to be enforceable. Uh-huh. So that's just an example. I won't go too much into that, but having correct terms which set out when and how your fees are payable is important. Further, they should set out terms regarding the process in the event of default such as whether interest will be payable and the debtor's liability for costs incurred in trying to recover any debt. Uh-huh. So the gold standard is that these terms are provided to the customer or client at the commencement of each service or job and assigned by them. Um, another option to consider is whether you require personal guarantees from directors of um, company clients. Uh-huh, okay. Can I just quickly zero in on that piece, Sal, around getting uh, the terms of trade or terms and conditions um, signed. And I know there's a bit of debate even in this um, office around what, what what you do and don't need to do. What's your view? Is it best practice to get those terms of trade signed off by a client? Definitely. So I guess the standard rule of thumb is that they have to be brought to the customer or client's attention before work commences. Yes. But in the court system, I guess you could say, the gold standard is that those terms are signed because then there's no debate as to whether those terms were accepted or not. Right, okay, excellent. Thank you for clearing that up for me. That's great. Okay, so we, we need to start out with some um, you know, pretty watertight um, terms and conditions of trade and obviously like all legal documents, it's really important that they're reviewed from time to time, isn't it? Most definitely. So a lot of people, they start their companies up, I guess, and they... They get their terms of trade and and they run with it. But what we often see, um, obviously, times change, circumstances change, different tricks um, come into the legal profession, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really important that people have have their terms of trade reviewed to make sure that they are in the best position to collect debt and to protect themselves. Yes. 
Yep, fantastic. Okay, well, that's an important one for business owners to keep their eye on then amongst the other sea of, uh, or amongst all the sea of paperwork that they've got to have their eyes over. Okay, so Sal, once we've got um, these terms of trade locked in, what, what happens from there if a company has got a client who's just not paying the bill? So it, the process for debt collection is dependent on the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, if the debt is disputed in less than 30000 it should yep. be dealt with in the disputes tribunal, um, which the business can generally deal with themselves because lawyers aren't actually allowed in that jurisdiction. Yes. Um, but that's not to mean that you can't have your lawyer help you draft any application or claim. Uh-huh. Um, and then, so there's two different options really, um, whether you're pursuing someone personally or whether you're pursuing a company. Pursuing someone personally probably gives you more options in terms of um, enforcement. Uh-huh. Um, but in saying that, it's not it's not impossible um, to collect debt from a company either. So... When you're pursuing someone personally, we generally start with what's called a letter of demand for payment. This is gives the debtor one last chance to make payment or enter into a satisfactory repayment arrangement. This uh-huh. helps to save costs, obviously, um, yes. avoid proceedings if if it can be. Um, and of course, appropriate limits are placed on time for payment or for the offer from the debtor uh-huh. to enter into a repayment arrangement. Um, in comparison, where the debtor is a company, we send what's called a statutory demand for payment under the Companies Act. Uh-huh. This gives, this is essentially very similar to a letter of demand, but it gives the debtor 10 working days um, from service of that document to apply to set the statutory demand aside or 15 working days to make payment. Uh-huh. Can I just jump in there, Sal? Sorry to interrupt your train of thought, but... Um, those um, statutory demands are obviously very important documents and there's a really prescribed form under the Companies Act that they've got to follow and we often see a lot of statutory demands that are done rather poorly, don't we? Yes, definitely. So I think if you are considering um, issuing somebody or a company with a statutory demand, it's really important that you get your solicitor to look over it um, Mm -hmm. because obviously otherwise you're setting yourself up to fail. Um, It could be set aside if, it, if it's not in the correct format. Also, it can only be issued if the debt is, is undisputed. So yes. um, a lot of people run into issues because they say um, that obviously it's it's not disputed and then we get a bit further down the track and or it comes to us once it's already been issued and we realise that actually there's some correspondence which shows that there mu- the issues might have been raised previously. And mm-hmm. um, so it, it is really important that these sorts of things are, are done properly. I know that it's a little bit scary when you're having to pay somebody, um, but often a little bit of cost now saves businesses a lot of cost later because it's done once and it's done properly. Yes, exactly. Thanks, Sal. Yeah, look, I just know that stat demand process is so important and so easy to get wrong and can um, you know cause a lot of grief and cost if it is done wrongly. Um, okay, so we've talked about um, the ways you can proceed against an individual and a, com- and a company in terms of sort of, I guess, the opening moves. What happens from there? So for personal proceedings, undefended proceedings can um, lead to the creditor obtaining judgment by default, which is a relatively simple process that can be done what we call on, on the papers. Uh-huh. Um, that's obviously subject to um, pr- court processing times and statutory requirements. Yes. It can take approximately two to three months, um, all going well. Right. Obviously, there's there's some things that are um, in the third party's control. And then you have to wait 
um, 28 days before you can commence enforcement. Mm-hmm. Um, that 28 days is essentially what we call the appeal period. So yep. it's safest to wait until after that period just to ensure that that, that judgment's tight, I guess, and um, yes. you're not going to get partway through enforcement proceedings and... Get an and, appeal. <laughs> yeah, get an appeal, yes. Yeah, right. Um, for defended proceedings, the process is a lot more complex. It can mm-hmm. take years yes. of battling in the courts. So I guess if you are aware that it's disputed, it might be a commercial decision as to whether or not you actually pursue it, depending mm-hmm. on um, how large the debt actually is, obviously. Yes. Um, there's different ways ways to do things, and it it's good to speak to your lawyer um, about all the circumstances and be really honest about that because that might um, change change their advice. I'm, I'm loving all this speaking to your lawyer stuff. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Typical lawyer. You need to speak to your lawyer. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you there, Sal. Um, and just, just a refresher for the people listening to this podcast is that I think you said that any debt below $30,000 disputed is handled in the disputes tribunal or can be. Yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah, cool. And I guess another option um, to consider when when you're dealing with these sorts of things might might even be settlement. If it if it turns into a full blown, um, I guess, advance litigation, it, sometimes it, and the debt's not that large. It, sometimes it is settlement might need to be considered as an option to get get some money as opposed to um, blowing a whole lot of money. Yes. Chasing a, a small a small debt, but obviously that's that's a process that um, your solicitor will talk you through because there's also um, surprise surprise a criteria around um, making without prejudice offers to settle in order for that to actually be um, well remain without prejudice. Yes, so that's got to be handled carefully, doesn't it? Most definitely. Cool. Okay, so where to from the SL? So for personal proceedings, once you have um, obtained judgment, there's a few enforcement options. Um, again, very much dependent on the circumstances, what we would recommend um, pursuing. So some of the options include um, a charging order over someone's property. So this is registered on the title. Mm-hmm. Um, this means that the debtor has to um, make payment before, before that property can actually be transferred. Um, obviously, there that may change um, depending on on how many people actually have an interest registered on that property. But again, something your lawyer can talk you through. Mm-hmm. A really common one um, is a financial assessment hearing. So this is essentially a, a means assessment where um, an agreement can can be reached or um, an attachment order is ordered. So. That's a relatively informal process where um, your lawyer or you sit down with a registrar um, and the debtor and you go through their their financial means, any assets they have, and decide how um, they're going to repay the debt, really. And usually um, we would recommend in those circumstances an attachment order, which essentially means that you're just not relying on the debtor to make payment. It comes directly from their wages, but obviously that only works in certain circumstances where they're not self-employed. Yes. Um, and I guess another another option that might be worth noting is a warrant to seize property. So that's where the um, bailiff seizes the property and sells it to to repay the debt. So 
obviously there's there's a lot of options. Um, alternatively, it might be taking it to the um, high court and filing for bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that's that's a different process at an additional cost. Um, but sometimes it um, is the only way to force force the debtor into into payment. Right. Okay. Okay. Cool. Right, yeah. So, um, do you want to talk today? So, we've talked about the personal side of things. Do you also want to sort of talk about where to for the company? Definitely. So, with the um, pursuing debt um, from a company, um, because it is it is really guided um, by the statutory requirements. Obviously, you've served your statutory demand. Um, the time the timing of that is um, also very dependent on court processes and statutory. Time frame. So, as I mentioned before, they've got 15 working days to make payment. If they don't, um, you can then move on to the um, liquidation process of obtaining a liquidation order. Right. So, at a minimum, um, with all the steps involved in that, I won't um, bore you with that <laughs> that process in full. Um, but that can take approximately three to four months um, at a minimum, depending yes. all going well. And um, then a liquidator gets involved and they have to liquidate the assets before any payment can be made. A really important part um, to be aware of of, of that liquidation process um, is that there's a hierarchy of, of creditors. Right, okay. Okay, can you explain to the listeners what, what that hierarchy is, please? Yes, so essentially it, it means that certain creditors get paid first. So first there'll be the secure creditors, so that's usually... Um, I guess creditors like your your banks, people that have um, mortgages and and things over property. Yes. Um. Then preferential claims, so that generally includes um, lawyers' costs, lucky us. <laughs> um. And then, and then you're moving towards your unsecured creditors, which is usually your general um, general creditors. A lot of a lot of debt is un, unsecured. Yes. Um. Which means that sometimes by the time that the secured creditors and preferential claims are paid. There's not always a lot left um, to pay the unsecured creditors, and they might only get a portion of the debt that they're actually owed. Mm. Um, but again, mm. that's why it's really important to talk things through with your solicitor yes. and give them all the background information you possibly can, um, because that might um, change the advice that they they give you. And I guess there's, for me, an important point in there, Sally, that you can talk to, no doubt. Um, you know, given that a lot of debt in New Zealand is unsecured, you know, I'm thinking trade debt, um, that, you know, the importance of getting a personal guarantee from, say, a company director, because if you if the debt, to the you know, if the company hits the wall, it's liquidated, the assets are not enough to pay all the debts owed, and you're left swinging, then a personal guarantee might just save save your neck and save your debt. Yes, there's a lot more options, um, as you'll note, um, from me speaking about enforcement for personal proceedings earlier, um, there's a lot more options available to people um, when pursuing someone personally. Yes. Um, so having a personal guarantee is it just it gives you the option. Um, really, if you mm. know that the company is asset rich, you might decide to pursue the company. Yeah. Um, but if they're not, uh, then pursuing those directors personally is as horrible as it it sounds. Um, you know, sometimes it needs to be done for your for your cash flow, and the best way to protect yourself is by having those signed documents, particularly for personal guarantees. Maybe yep. even more so than um, terms some people would argue, but I won't, I won't <laughs> get into 
into that debate. Um, yes. But it's definitely important to have a signed acknowledgement of that personal guarantee. A lot of people include it in their terms and have those those terms signed, and that's that's fine. Um, but it, yeah, you just definitely need the, that personal guarantee signed for it to be enforceable. Because mm, mm. typically, you know, I, I mean, my view would be um, that if you had a terms of trade that included a personal guarantee and there's just sort of a, a sign-off on it, that it could be argued that the guarantor's attention wasn't brought to the guarantee within the terms. So I would think best case gold standard, subject to your views, because this is your chocolate, uh, would be having a separate page that's appended or annexed to the guarantee, uh, sorry, to the terms of trade, that is actually a guarantee. Yes, most definitely. Um, I think it's easy to get caught up in the um, general practice of, of business Sometimes, you know, we never really think humans, I guess, are generally relatively trusting and we never really think that um, we don't have a reason to trust somebody until something goes wrong, I guess. Yeah. Um, so it, it is it is best just to protect your protect yourself. Um, be, be proactive and definitely having it on a personal guarantee on a separate page where there can be no debate um, as to whether they've seen it or not because they've signed that particular page with it. Um, being very clear that it is a personal guarantee. Um, <laughs> With all the warnings all over it. <laughs> yeah. It definitely just helps to protect yourself um, that yes. one step further, I guess. The less, the more the more proactive you are, the less room there is for dispute and the more likely it is that you'll um, be able to recover your debt, essentially. Yes. yes. Simple as that. Okay. So thanks, Al. We've talked about um, the processes involved for both personal and company uh, debt recovery. What, what what else do you want to have a chat about today? Anything else that we need to think about? So I guess um, what I've probably highlighted, well, I hope I've highlighted, is um, that these processes can, can take some time um, before creditors actually see start to see any money. Um which is why it's really important to start the process before cash flow is too restricted. Mm. Um, you know, when you're down to your bare bones, <laughs> the last thing you want to be doing is, is forking out more money to try and and get money that you're, you're due in the hand, really. Yes. So um, I guess cost comes into that. That's one of the key reasons that people don't pursue debts. Um, but what a lot of people don't realise is that if they are successful in any claim in the um, district or high court, not the disputes tribunal, you can't claim costs there, mm-hmm. um, creditors can claim court-scale cost, which allows them to recover probably about approximately uh, 70% of costs, depending on the type of proceedings. Obviously, again, whether um, it's disputed and it, and it blows up into full-blown litigation or if it can be dealt with um, on on the papers, then generally mm-hmm. you can claim you um, are re- returned, I guess, a higher percentage of those costs. Yes. Um, full costs can be claimed on a solicitor client basis where a creditor's terms provide for it. So again, yep. back to those those airtight terms. Yes. Um, but that is at, at the court's discretion. They generally do like to try and stick to the um, scale costs where, where possible. Um, but... It definitely does give you a stronger um, base for trying to claim full costs when you've got those signed terms yes. highlighting it. And I guess, like um, Brad mentioned before, um, bringing those to to your client or customer's attention, um, not just always having it in, in the fine print, bold it, you know, <laughs> make it make it obvious, and then there's no there's no argument, and it makes 
makes your lawyer's job easier. <laughs> um, For sure. Yeah. And even, and even you know, look, I mean, it'd be nice if we had the luxury to do this, but, you know, best practice once again, even if you can make a diary note that on X date, I spoke to Joe Bloggs about this engagement. I gave him our terms of trade. He read over them or confirmed he had read them to me and blah, blah, blah. Exactly. Or even just an email. Hey, look, we we can't um, we can't proceed with this work. We just need a, a quick um, email from you setting out that you accept our terms and you're happy for us to proceed. It, yeah. it seems, I guess, silly at, silly at the time, um, but it's just one of those small things, you know, it might take five minutes that can be the difference in whether... Um, you get your money you, back or not. Yeah. It's an insurance policy really, isn't it? Definitely. And it's best practice. Yeah, cool. Nice, excellent. All right. So obviously there's a whole lot in there for people to think about. Um, so any any um, closing thoughts before we wrap up today? Yeah, so I guess if you're worried about your cash flow, it would be sensible to discuss any debts owed to you with a debt collection litigation lawyer. Um, they'll be able to advise whether a debt is worth pursuing or not and if so the best way to do that um, as we've highlighted to you there's many ways and shapes and forms in, in debt collection and if you're worried about cost just just have that that chat you know um, there might be an option that might be more efficient mm -hmm. um, in terms of practice but there might also be more cost efficient ways um, to recover that debt too Um and if you haven't had your terms of trade reviewed recently, we would highly recommend that you you have your lawyer do this. Um, yes. It could be the difference in you being able to pursue a debt or not. Um, being proactive is is the best way to protect your business. A, a small cost now um, can save you a lot of cost in the future. Yes, good, really good advice. Thank you, Sally. Um, if people want to get in touch with you and have a chat about all things debt collection, how do they do that? Of course, and um, they can give our office a call directly. Yes, um, three six six seven four six nine. Yep, yeah. and ask for Sally. Of course. Yep. Or, um, also feel free to flick me an email. Um, we're happy to take a quick, quick look at things and um, tee up tee up a meeting if if necessary. And my email address is just Sally at godfreyslaw.co.nz. Brilliant. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. And uh, we have other people within the uh, debt recovery and litigation team who can assist as well. So Definitely. They're all, um, I can, <laughs> can vouch for them. They're, they're <laughs> all really good at what they do. So um, lots of different people here that, that, can, that can help with, with those debt collection matters. Yep. Fantastic. Look, thank you so much for your time today, Sally. Uh, it's been uh, really fascinating talking through the debt recovery process. It's something I've done in the past, but not for a, a long, long time. And you've refreshed me on lots of tips and tricks. So I think there's lots of really useful information in, in there for people listening today about debt recovery. So thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, I hope that um, there's some information in there that, that might um, turn on a wee light bulb or um, help, help some people. Often, you know, information is key. What you don't know, you don't know. Yeah, exactly right. And on that thought, this has been another edition of the Godfrey's Law Real Business Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Brad McDonald, and it's been fantastic having you on board with us again today. Thank you so much.